But the most important thing is, it is security and privacy. So you can do all that stuff. And in my, you know, first, uh, actually first few months, you know, when I ran uh, our data org is, uh, you know, it was all about, hey, look, I mean, how do we, you know, do a lot more on the business value? You know, you know, how, do, how, you know how do we do things in real time? But what we realized is, hey, look, I mean, uh, all that are awesome. It, it, it would sound weird, but look, I, I think for me it is true. They're all nice to have. The thing that is not nice to have is compliance, security, and privacy. You can not do the others and your business will still be in action. But if you fail to do this, then, then your business is gone. Data, artificial intelligence, the metaverse, crypto and Web3, and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work, and experience the universe. I am your host, Ganesh Padmanabhan, and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations, and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices, and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now, before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau but they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at Experian.com. In this episode, I had a discussion with Hamil Shah of Dell Technologies. Hamil is the SVP and head of data management and all data management activities within Dell, both internally working with IT and making sure Dell's data is being maintained and monetized well, but also working with Dell's customers in building out their data management practices. Hamil is awesome. He's got a very broad and wide variety of experiences as the CIO, as the Chief Data Officer for Dell, and extensive experience working with complex global 2000 companies, dealing with e-commerce, multi-cloud environments, and so forth. So we kept it real. We had a great conversation. We talked everything from the challenges and how you scale data and AI efforts within an organization, the role of the CDO, data science, you know, what is real, what is not, and how do you really get business value out of data, security, privacy, the whole nine yards. Hamil kept it real, and I hope you enjoy this discussion as much as I did. Hamil, welcome to Stories in AI. How are you? Pretty good, Ganesh. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining and thanks for taking the time. Um, I know it's we're getting near to the holiday season. I want to end it with a bang with some amazing people like you and talk about stories, stories and data and AI. Why don't we get started and uh, get started with your story, your personal story. Talk about your journey, how you got into data and what you do today and so forth. 
Oh, personal story. Look, I mean, I got into data purely by accident, I guess. It's it's uh, uh, one of the rewards you happen, and then you're like, okay, uh, you, you first say yes, and then you say, uh, what exactly is that? <laughs> and then, you know, that's how, you know, I... Uh, All good things in life come through that, you know, you first say come yes. Come through accident, yeah. And, you know, I, I know on the last uh, uh, reorg, my boss said, hey, I, I want you to run everything data. And I said, yes. And then I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get data. I've been on IT for many, many years. And, and I do that. But I think, what exactly is that rule? So after two days, I said, okay, let me just come up with all these options. But let me just ask the boss, because she would have, uh, you know, thought about it. And I said, hey, look, uh, uh, like, just give me your thoughts and I can see hey, if they uh, match up against uh, mine or not. And she's like, no, it's a clean slate of paper. You tell me, <laughs> you know, what is data? So, you know, so uh, there we go. But look, I mean, you know, we use all these terms, you know, oil in the industry and, and you know, all that stuff. Look, it's, it's all true. And, uh, you know, I, I, I ran that as my last gig when uh, I was uh, part of Dell Digital, which is uh, Dell IT. And then uh, in my last uh, five months, actually, I'm actually I'm doing an incubation on our product management side to, to actually launch some interesting go-to-market stuff on on data. So, uh, you know, in my last many many years in IT, I've always been doing data, data, data. But my my two years has been only been data. I'm not doing anything else other than data. You know, it also is a, it's an interesting thing. It's like, it probably mirrors the evolution of the market too, right? Because IT and information systems was the whole thing. And then the last, you know, maybe, maybe a decade or less than a decade is when it has become a mainstay, uh, mainstream function, even like data is so critical, so important that, you know, people like you with deep experience across all of the entire business stack and the IT stack are now asked to go lead data. And, you know, Himal, you're, what really fascinates me about your background is you're now in a, you know, product or, a, you know, innovation role trying to build, you know, offerings for Dell Technologies and data and data management. But you have this deep expertise being a chief data officer yourself, you know, leading data initiatives, working with multiple uh, uh, stakeholders on actually enabling them to, uh, you know, go do this. So it's, it's really fascinating how you can, you know, really bring in, a lot of that into this function. So I'm really excited to see what comes out of uh, Dell Technologies and data management. Um, oh, thanks. Look, well, I mean, the, know, the, 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 uh, um, um, one thing, you know, which I told the product team, like, hey, look, I mean, it's 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 my first uh, foray into building a product from a go-to-market perspective, but I have been a customer of data. So <laughs> you cannot BS with me on the exact thing that we would really like to build, right? Because if I can buy it, I'm sure it at least would be a halfway decent product. So, Of course. No, it's fascinating. And so, so give me a lay of the land. Tell me where is the enterprise data landscape today? I mean, how do you see the market from your vantage point? Draw from your experiences, draw from what you're seeing today. Give us an overview. Yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll uh, tell you, and I'll probably give you a view of, of just my role within IT where, you know, I, uh, you know, this was day in and day out for me, right? So 
look, I mean, you know, on, on one hand, all the trends and everything that we do, it's all about data sciences, AI. I mean, it's it's real, right? It's it's no longer a fufu. Uh, I wish I, I would have finished my PhD back in the days that says AI, 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 but they were no takers of AI, right? So, you know, now they are, right? So, you know, it's, but, but sure. it, it's, it's definitely real, right? You know, so, so, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and you look, you know, at Dell, we've been seeing a lot of the use cases, you know, from actually vast many years. And it's great that he's actually seeing all these momentum. And look, I mean, this, all the surge in the new, new age companies really is you are what your data is and what you make from that data, right? These are all like, I mean, we've all seen, you know, who, you know, uh, who the uh, growing up companies are. It's it's a data era for sure. And I, I hope that it's not a data decade. It's a lot more, than, you know, than a decade. So I, I, I think from an industry, from a business perspective, those things are a given. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a force that uh, you either are, are in it or you will get eaten up. There is, you know, I, you know, you don't have a, a third choice. So, uh, you know, when I see of, you know, maybe in order to do that, like, you know, what do we want to do? We want to build a strong data culture within the organization. We want to build a lot of data stewards. We want to keep our data good. We want to have people getting the right access to data at the right time, at the the uh, right place. You want people to do a lot more data science stuff. You want people to build a lot more modeling stuff. You want people to use a lot more of those models in real time. But the most important thing is, it is security and privacy. So you can do all that stuff. And in my you know first uh, actually first few months you know when I ran. Uh, our data org is, uh, you know, it was all about, hey, look, I mean, how do we, you know, do a lot more on the business value, you know, you know, how to, you know, how do we do things in real time? But what we realized is, hey, look, I mean, uh, all that are awesome, but it, it, it would sound weird, but look, I, I think for me, it is true. They're all nice to have. The thing that is not nice to have is compliance, security, and privacy. You can not do the others and your business will still be in action. But if you fail to do this, then your business is gone, right? So to me, it's it's both, right? Hey, look, I mean, you know, as we do all, you know, everything to get more and more value out of data, more on the self-service side, uh, a lot more how do we do stuff. But at the same time, you just cannot ignore the security aspects, the privacy aspects, and all of the compliance stuff because, uh, you know, we saw in the last couple of years, like, you know, in, in, in the beginning stages, hey, look, it was nice where we are hearing something called as GDPR. You know, now it's like, oh, you know, there, there is GDPR, there is CCPA, every country is uh, coming up with, with stuff. And, and you are bound to protect the data that your customers has put in the trust to you. And that is your number one job. Everything else is number two. That's fascinating you say that. And I think um, and I, would, I would like to also like just play the other side of the argument, right? Where if you look at historically the growth for companies like, you know, the digitally native companies like the Facebooks and of course, uh, uh, you know, Apple and all those guys. And there's a spectrum of how they do their data management, security and compliance, right? I mean, like Apple really uh, strong on privacy and stuff. Facebook, not so much. I'm going to make a lot more money. So <laughs> historically, we've seen that. Uh, are we, I, our organization, is, isn't it more a risk management measure, right? Depending on what business you're in, right? If you're in a regulated industry, 
if customers uh, entrust you with very sensitive data, then social, you know, and this thing. Now, all of those, the meanings of all of that data, the type of data is also changing because your social data and social capital is going to become a lot more important and critical in an era of connected individuals in your network than, you know, traditional, you know, what we call as a PII, a PHI data. But isn't that a function of that, right? I mean, it depends if you're in a digitally native business, you're trying to get a business off the ground and you have to, you know, delight users by collecting data from them and doing, yes, you have to worry about data privacy, but won't that slow you down in getting to value realization for you and for your customer? See, it, it does, but it's not an option. I think if you don't make it as a part of your DNA, you will choose to always say that if I don't this, it will slow me down, right? So I would almost think that, hey, look, I mean, uh, make your culture in a way that you always respect privacy, you protect the data, and in that umbrella, do the fastest possible way to use your data. And I think if that culture is not there, that says, look, I, I'm somebody who wants to download all of the contact data into, into my machine and yeah. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. Uh, because I really want to get this thing done in two hours versus two and a half hours, I think that's the wrong thing to do. And you can actually do everything very, very fast. Uh, at the same time, ensure um, um, security and compliance. You just have to do that hard work first. But if you don't do that hard work first and just have people say, look, I mean, we really want this. We are a growing company. Personally, I don't think that is the right approach. Look, I mean, if you believe in your company, you, you will grow big. Your customers will love you. With that love will come trust. When the customers trust you with your data, and as as you grow big, one loss is all it takes to break that entire trust. So. I would probably think embed in your culture to do the things right because data-driven companies usually will do pretty well. You know, uh, no, it's very, very well point. It's one of those things where you, you know, when innovation comes through constraints, right? I mean, like, you know, you have to have that constraint. Just treat this need of privacy, security, and compliance as a necessary constraint and not an afterthought after you've done it, right? I mean, I, I see the advice is very clear. Uh, so so let me take a step back, Himal, and talk about, um, let's talk about the future of work and future of enterprise, right? I know you've been, uh, you know, Dell is an amazing case study in how, I mean, you know, my, my spouse works for Dell. So uh, I, I know that, um, the, and I used to work at Dell, like Dell didn't miss a beat in you know, going remote and turning into a hybrid workforce and, you know, the, the employees are happier. I mean, it's just amazing to see. And that obviously did not happen at the head of the pandemic. That was like years and decades in the making, building a culture around it. So, but give me a glimpse of the future of the enterprise, right? I mean, technology, remote work, data everywhere. Where are we going? Give you yeah, a, I mean, yeah, look, give us a label. All of the above. All of the above. We are everywhere. Look, I mean, you are in... Uh, Bright and sunny Austin, although I heard it's very, very cold there, you know, you know, this way. Uh, so you have a plus and a minus. I'm in Bangalore. I'm only about uh, 8,000 miles away, <laughs> you know, from you. Uh, it was funny when we were in Austin and I, I used to live there. You were there. You are at Dell. We didn't see. Right? Like, oh, and now every call that we do, hey, look, we actually, I see you. You know, you see me, although it's, it's right true. here. I mean, although it is, it is actually 75 degrees here. So I should actually say, you know, on, on, on 
that on on that i actually i uh, uh, do have the edge but look i mean uh, you know as as painful as the last two years is and was uh, some interesting things have happened right i mean it's it's about work from everywhere uh, you have my laptop and my phone that's all i need i mean look but, but yes i do need my nice screens and all and i do like my gaming mouse because you know that uh, the dots for inch actually are, are, are key but hey, look i mean i can you know i can at least uh, 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 be mobile we have teams everywhere right i mean look i mean we always had teams in in india malaysia china ireland brazil and us now we have done a lot more hiring into Bratislava in into Romania so look i mean what this has happened is you know we are able to tap into into knowledge everywhere right so that's awesome and uh, you know at times if you want to we can come into the office if you don't want to we don't really need to come to the office the same thing has gone into the technology landscape right i mean you are expected that whether i i i uh, connect to my development tools uh, from india being in the office from my austin home from uh, romania i my employees will demand that i have the same experience anywhere in the globe right so with that there is a lot of push on it to 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 say hey, look how can we ensure the same experience no matter where you are uh, and that will automatically lead to things like the data sprawl like i mean look i mean when when when, when you consider that when you go to the age old trend of rogue it's and shadow it's right then came all our saas providers which said hey look i mean you can actually just 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 come online and and you know we will sign you up it was huge and now with all of the cloud vendors uh, i think the whole notion of hey look i mean i have my entire data in in one place uh, that is no longer true in most of the companies that right? you're you know along with all of the people sprawl along with the technology sprawl you have the same thing in terms of data sprawl in, in which your data will be in hybrid clouds you will lose a number of saas applications you will you will have your data center and uh, and it actually even becomes more interesting and difficult for data officers and data scientists on how to get their job done because it takes a lot of effort to pump the data into one place i mean it's a hard effort so if my data is in my multi cloud how do i most effectively use it do i even know what my data is and 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 where my data is so it actually starts from do you even know where your data sets are but uh, i i think i think the, the new paradigm of work has clearly opened up interesting issues if you will in terms of data management because data is in silos it will be everywhere interesting no i i want to so one other thing is like there is a there's a little bit of a paradox here where in like you know when you have and and i'm asking you because you're dell and the 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 world's number one infrastructure company and the cloud vendors would argue that in a world where it's actually people are going to be increasingly increasingly distributed and so forth you you know you should have a cloud first experience you know public cloud first experience deliver services and not have to worry about where things are you can scale up infinitely versus so Uh, was is down and that's the way to go but whereas in your case for example you've proved the opposite of how you cannot miss a beat as an organization using a hybrid approach to go make this happen can you explore that a little bit for me what is it a better idea to be completely all in all cloud or is multi cloud and you know i'm also a believer of multi cloud being the future and not like a single private cloud a centralized cloud yeah i i, I think look my view is it's a world of of hybrid slash multi cloud meaning many many clouds including your own data center i mean that's the reality along with that you will have saas operators and along with that i think what we have been talking 
yet a lot more is people who are third party providers of, of, of data. They will increase, right? So you you have no choice, but you, you'll have a, a heterogeneous landscape of everybody. And my definition of cloud is not necessarily public cloud. Or so it is, are you giving the cloud experience to your stakeholders? Wherever yeah. and however you do it, as long as you can do that, hey, that's awesome, right? So I, I think it's, it's a world in which we will have a hybrid cloud. Uh, we will have data everywhere and you just hey, look, I mean, how do we as IT practitioners get the best and and get the, the tools right again, 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 with the right security and privacy to ensure that we understand the data, we understand the entire data landscape and we give the uh, right tools to make the best use of the data wherever it is. Got it. No, it's that's so true. And in fact, it actually makes it more, you know, there's this interesting, um, you know, thought around, thought exercise around, if you really think about it, Yes, we all call, talk about, like, you know, I think the Dell Paradox Data Paradox Report talks about 175 zettabytes of data being generated. Um, and there's a lot, it's humans and machines, but still more of the contextual data is going to come from humans. A lot of the, you know, the machine data is as you can have the tools to read it and analyze, it's easier. The harder data to work with is the human generated data. And by definition, in a remote workplace where people can be working out of anywhere and stuff, the centers of gravity don't exist in one location. Like you said, the data is going to be generated at the edges by all these employees, all these people, all these machines, all these distributor workforces. So you need a holistic strategy to go do it. Let, you know, diving a little deep on it, right? If you look at the data management for enterprises, you know, if you look, go through the value chain of like just storing data back a couple of decades ago, we used to tell people, don't worry about anything, just get Hadoop, store your data. We'll figure out what to do with it, right? To Integrating data, I mean, decades and decades of data management practices and ETL and stuff trying to actually just cobble data together to using data to derive insights, doing business value generation and so forth, and then consuming it either as data or as insights or some usable fashion. So there's the entire value chain there. And there's probably more. And then you have a security mm -hmm. layer and a you know compliance layer and mm -hmm. stuff on top of that. too. Can you break that down and say, like, what problems are still not solved in that spectrum? What do you see? are still the challenges in that space, uh, in that entire value chain? Look, I mean, I, I'll, I'll uh, and, you know, it, it might be something very, very similar to, 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 to still look, I mean, if you generally ask CDOs, tell me, do you know exactly what data do you own? It'll be interesting to see how many people say absolutely yes, <laughs> right? So, because it's in, it's in sprawl, I, you know, the, Business units can go into Azure, uh, you, you know, spin some some uh, things up. There are many many uh, SaaS vendors. Integrations are all over the place. Uh, so, I do think to start with, even things which are not yet solved is: Am I able to discover my data? Do I even know exactly what data do I have everywhere? Do I really understand that I have 200 copies of my customer data, of which 80 of them have not even been pinged? one last time in, in the last five years right we have all those insights years. about you know do yeah because you know, we, we talk about you know observability from an infrastructure and an app perspective the the new paradigm is talking about the observability mindset from a data perspective right do you understand where all your data movements are where all your data sets are so you know there is some very interesting work done by uh, uh, uh many of the startups in in uh, that area but i i think to to me fundamentally and it sounds very, very basic that, hey, look, I mean, do I do I know where my data is? I don't think 
that's solved, right? Then the classic problem of, hey, look, I mean, it takes my my data scientists, you know, 70, 80% of the time to do my data prep work where, you know, they can actually use that, you know, use a little bit of their time to damn, get their models right and push their models into production, right? So, you know, that that time could be could be very, very well used, right? So I, I, I think there is there is some interesting work that that has to happen there. Um, I, I probably do think in terms of AI, Rook, I mean, uh, I still think there is a disconnect between the AI models happening for one-time use versus they becoming mainstream. So, you know, when does AI ops and DevOps become one, right? Because yeah. your dev, yeah. you know, using a particular algorithm of AI is AI ops, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, when does this yeah. truly become one, right? I mean, you know, and then, you know, your your data ops, your, your dev ops, and your AI ops are, are actually one. It's just like, hey, look, I mean, how can I be the fastest in terms of my yeah. my entire pipeline it's to a, get things done? It's, it's like your evolution of uh, SRE from DevOps, right? I mean, you need <laughs> an, a common yeah. science, right? That kind of yeah. brings yeah. it all together. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 to me is is also uh, very very interesting. I think the tools sprawl will absolutely continue but the one thing that I, I will say that is still there and I think it's it's probably one of the challenges that many organization face is not a technical hurdle it's more of an organizational barrier is to hey look I mean who is the data owner for that particular entity hmm. as easy as it sounds it sounds easy hey look I mean you know tell me who's your customer data owner Oh, it's me, but hold on, you are in sales. Like, you know, do you also own the uh, customer data from a services perspective? Do you own the same data from a marketing perspective? Hey, guess what? We always ignore supply chain. Supply chain is one of the biggest data consumers and providers of all times, right? In a way, you know, how do you use the uh, customer data in, in the cortex? So as we think about all these technology things that will always have gaps and will always have to be fixed. Sometimes I think us including uh, many of the organizations, we forget the basic thing that do you have the organizational construct of people who are clear owners of those data across the enterprise? And does the enterprise behave in a way that they are owners of the data? So you are not owners only uh, from a namesake side, you, you are are you the true owners, and are you now ensuring? And you know, I'm not trying to go too deep into the data mesh, but are you are you trying to ensure that everything, the entire entity that you own, uh, you know, it has the right data, it has the right quality. Again, do you have the right security and privacy stuff? You have the right APIs for people to be able to use the data. Do you have the uh, right performance? Right. So, so to to me, it is important that you have that first. If you don't do that, you could be awesome in all these technology stuff, but you will still way, lag way behind in terms of how much data or, or how much data maturity your enterprise is actually doing and how much it is benefiting uh, from data. So look at the organizational construct is easily said, but it's in many orgs is difficult to implement. And you're 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 hitting on something, you know, that's that's extremely critical, crucial, right? If you think about it, you know, there is an accountability problem. When you live in a world where like it earlier it used to be very simple, right? You just point to that person and say, That person is responsible for that department, something goes wrong, you, you know who to call to fix it, right? Or 
you know, if something really bad happens, there is at least a line of accountability and a trace back and saying, these are the steps that happen that make it happen, that, that made this bad problem happen and you can reverse it and, and make sure there's a corrective action in place. But when you have this world where you don't even know what your data is and the data is actually being used to make a lot of decisions across the value chain, who do you point your fingers to? And not in a negative way saying you need to point fingers at somebody, but it's like, hey, you know, I got a insight that said this customer is amazing. I went to there and that address is no longer valid. I, you know, they don't even take my call because the phone number is not updated. I mean, I just wasted the effort. Who has to update that so that model the model will work better? That kind of questions, it's actually very, you know, I, I know it's a, it sounds very basic, basic but you're exactly question. right. It's a basic question. Right? See, because organizations are, are, are structured by the business unit functions. So given most of the org, you will have a marketing function. You will have a sales function, right? You will have, you know, ITHR, you know, those things for sure. You will have uh, a finance function. If you are into man, in, in, uh, into manufacturing, you, you, you'll have a supply chain logistics. You will have a services uh, support function. Each of them deal with simple things like, like, like the customer data, but each one of them deals with things differently. Customers are pissed off with the company that as they go across these, these different functions, they are treated differently and they are known differently, right? And you know, if, if some of those easy stuff is fixed, you know what, then the rest is easier to attain. If you fix, if you are yeah. the most technologically savvy company using your data tools and all, and you don't have your organizational and your governance construct right, yeah, yeah. Your, your tools will not take you very far. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fascinating you say that. And you briefly mentioned or touched upon data mesh, right? I think uh, I'm, I'm very uh, encouraged by the concept of actually, like, how do you really create uh, distributed, fully owned factions of data and treat data like data products, right? I mean, that's the, the whole essence of something like that. But is that going to exacerbate your data silo problem or is that going to make it better? Because, you know, like one I, of the fundamental see, things... I... See, I think I would rather do that and then see if there is if there is a layer that can just connect all my data. So if I have a pod of customer data, which is pristine, that is awesome, right? You know, because look, I mean, the key things I want is simple things like garbage in, garbage out. I don't want to have anything sure. called as data cleanup. If I if I remove that word called data cleanup, because hey, everything that I entered in is clean by, by default. Can you believe how many, how much hours and how much, how much productivity will be saved across all of the companies? I mean, you know, look, I, I don't have the number. I think it'll be an astronomical number. And and think about it with all that, all that savings that we do, we we do some amazing things in 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 data, right? So my my view is that look, if your ownership structure is right, thou shall ensure that in that in that domain, it's not just the technology needs which hey look i mean it's it's uh, running on an awesome platform it is stable it is seamless it can scale you know it's fast it's speed it is it is it, it is real time stuff. Sure. but i have the right right now sort of apis but along with that i have the right data coming in from the source it is clean from the source and if i have even say for example that 10 puddles of data one is my customer data one is my sales data one is my billing data one is uh, supply chain data and so on and so forth. Yeah. If I have that and they are extremely good, strong APIs, connecting that is an easy problem. See, that I would not even call it as a data silos because look, I mean, they're all there in their own domains and 
connecting that is an easy technical problem, easier technical problem. Fair, because fair. otherwise, no, you will have a, a marketing data silo, which has part of the data. You will have a supply chain data silo. You'll have a services data silo. You'll have all that stuff by the BU, which makes a customer life really bad. You know, somebody, somebody mentioned this, you know, it's like wonderful how technology evolution, if you really track the history of scientific revolution and, and technology evolutions, right? We always, you know, solve a problem, but create the problem, but knowing very well that we will be able to find a solution to the problem we just created. <laughs> right? So it's, a, <laughs> it's that story here, right? I mean, we're building the data Let's, mesh. Fix, let's fix the bigger problem first. Let's fix the organizational first. If the orgs are done, Technology has power. It will be able to solve it. See, culture is difficult. Organizational construct is very, very difficult, right? But if you fix that, technology will be able to solve these things, right? But I, I think, see, all I'm trying to say is don't ignore the organizational constructs. At times, yeah. it is even more important. And, you know, if you have a little bit of, of siloed because of your organization or construct, but it's running really well, I would rather solve that. So, so explore that a little bit for me. How do you become a data-driven organization that is making decisions based on data? That is, how do you build a data culture so that not just IT, but the entire organization becomes, you know, attuned to making decisions with data, trusting the data, you know, taking care of the data, making sure you're following practices. Lay out for me, what, what, what makes you a data-driven organization, a good data-driven organization? Look, I, I think to me it's, it's simple stuff, right? Simple things. If you are an ops leader, you are going to run everything by the metrics. Just use your tools and do that. Don't depend upon a PowerPoint that some human has looked upon like 30 different spreadsheets and and created you know, that like, because what you are doing is you are changing the definition of your data, right? Simple stuff. Have your KPIs, have your dashboards, have that be exposed to everywhere. Have a very clear path how you are doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. If you start with simple things like that, data is ingrained into your culture. If you are a sales leader, you will immediately know that, hey, look, I mean, oh, geez, that is interesting. I'm actually shipping the same order to uh, the same customer with four different uh, customer IDs. Something is wrong. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think I think if you if you put a little bit more effort to do, do truly be data driven. It might sound weird. To me, that means don't run your reviews on PowerPoint. Like PowerPoint does not exist. Just shut it down and use your data, use your tools to do that. It actually starts like a thought process. It starts because somebody internally cannot fudge now that says, oh, you know what, these eight are the same. So let me lump this thing into my one PowerPoint line together, right? It exposes. Uh, once it exposes, then you have the incentive to fix it because you are getting yelled at every single time. In order to fix it, if you have a strong organizational construct and an ownership, you will know who to pick to, to actually uh, fix it and he or she can easily uh, uh, fix that. Then on top of that, if you have a very, very strong data governance structure, it becomes very easy to implement those things. Then if you have an awesome not just the technology tools, but technology tools which are very much self-service oriented, right? Because this is not a time in which I have to fill out like a Word document to have, you know, you know, uh, so and so done. If Someone I can do things, yeah. yeah, if I can do things very easily uh, from a self-service perspective, and the heart of it again 
I am doing it everything with my culture of security and privacy. Got it. Just just works itself. Yeah. But but it needs to come. Like do not do not have somebody change the data into the PowerPoint slides. The minute you see all the poop, you will have no choice, but you'll make sure that your organization fixes it. Otherwise, it's, it's, you know, it's a lipstick all over the place. Small that things. is so, uh, it's, it's such a nuanced but very valid point, right? When you take data from its original form and you massage it to a story that you wanted to tell in the form of a PowerPoint, you change the definition of that data. You basically change, you associate different meanings, different relationships and different things. And then whatever you work on to actually run that business is going to be based on that PowerPoint and that definition of the data. Not and you 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 have the chance of missing the the forest for the trees, right? So it's a it's an interesting, it's a very nuanced but very valid yeah, point. And, um, and, 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 see, and to me also, like one simple thing works. So we are trying to sell our hey, look, this how we should do our next generation customer ID and, and mapping and you know all that stuff. And yeah. you know, look, I mean, it's a big change. I mean, we have you can't name how many, but there are a lot of them. And I don't want to name how many. We have a ton of customer records. You know, we got look. I mean, at times we got a, a fair bit of duplicates. We have to be ongoing. So we had this radical new approach on how how to approach that customer master problem, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. we went to our ELT member and we said, look, in order to appreciate this, we actually showed the data to him on production that that the say the same he existed 28 times when you saw that we had no <laughs> it was all done it was right you know if if i see the pain you know guess how much pain my customers would be seeing it's approved that's so true that's amazing himal this is awesome i got one last question for you um the the role of the chief data officer it's it's a really challenging one right because there's two schools of thought, and, and you kind of stay, uh, laid out your point of view early on, but I want to double click on it. One is one school of thought is like just focus on protecting, governing, and making sure the data is, you know, like take a not in the right way, but like you know, take a defensive approach to making sure you protect the data, you secure the data, and you make it compliant. And there's the other school of thought where, in, hey, the chief data officer, I'm looking at them as a data savior, right? They come in and they monetize my data. They figure out other uses of that data. They figure out what I'm missing and then collect that data and then drive business transformation. It's a really hard job because most, you know, even the folks who actually get into roles thinking they can do part B are pushed into doing part A. And the folks who go into part A saying, this is what I've done. I'm a data management person all my life. They're pushed to do the part B. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a really tough and really challenging role. What, what do you see? I mean, uh, talk about the evolution of the CDO and what role should they I, have in an organization? See, I, I think what you laid out is so true. There are two ends of the pendulum, right? I mean, you know, if you did this really well, you, if you did the security and privacy really well, people will say you are not a transformative CDO, right? If you do the transformation piece really well, people will get, you know what, you don't, I mean, Look at where we are from a privacy and security perspective. No way, it's the biggest risk in the company, right? So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think to me, the pendulum is not not both the sides. My view is that don't view it as a pendulum. You know, because the minute you see this as two different things, you'll always be at that uh, dichotomy, right? To me, you put security and privacy at the heart of it, right? And look, I mean, the governance that you put on top, make it as a fun governance, right? The governance for me is, 
success is how many people use my data, right? And I will ensure that the way people are using my data internally, it's always with, with the right security and the right controls, right? If my KPI is solely on, hey, look, how many people are using my data and my ticket to entry is compliance. And further to that, I say, look, it's not just how many people are, are using the data. Am I making easy for them to use my data? Am I doing enough self-servicing? Am I incentivizing them to say, no, 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 create more data science models, create more and more. I, I don't care. Use a lot of it. Like, and, and look, there is always like a sine wave, right? But you are in that wave in which you encourage people to say, look, I mean, uh, you know, I will, I will architect it in a hardened way that I will put the uh, security and privacy by default so that you don't have to worry about it. You, Mr. Stegel, because look, if I give the, the problem statement to all these different data users to say, now you all have to worry about security and privacy, I've just lost it. You know, I've already lost the battle. So internally, if I say, look, I mean, the way I design my APIs, the way I, I design my layers is with those things. I, I immediately I know what the, the PI fields are and my APIs that access that, they don't even send those fields or they are doing all the masking of those fields, right? So I, I don't have to worry about, you know, data break, but if I, if I make the heart of it as more secure, more private, if I make governance a bit more fun about, no, no, I, you know, governance, the word itself is a shitty word, right? I mean, that's like, it, it almost means you're trying to class them together. Right? But if you do the opposite, that says, hey, for me, the metric that I really mean is how many people are actually using the data, the more the merrier, right? And the way you do it is, hey, if you were taking uh, four hours to, to, to talk to us, I don't even want you to email us, right? Look, I mean, go into our URL and just do a self-service uh, and then internally we'll ensure that everything. So I think if you fundamentally change that to make it more incentivized for people to use your data, I think you've just flipped it open. So you are not, you know, you're not in this, in this rut. Uh, and to do that again, again, sorry to reiterate, your organizational construct and your culture is important, right? So if you're able to do that and, you know, have some awesome tools, always that the entire landscape is changing all the time but you know if you can keep up with the pace and you know make your data scientists really happy have them spend more times in the modeling make sure that hey they, they are putting everything as a part of your CI/CD uh, process then you've just changed the entire culture of the organization you know um, you you probably know I'm a I'm a reasonable crypto nerd right so I'm into decentralization and crypto as well and one of the fundamental things around uh, crypto that encouraged me, and you're actually calling that out. Like we think of governance as a way to, you know, protect something. So there is a they versus us scenario in governance, right? It's always been played out. But like, you know, like in crypto, what, what you're actually calling out as well is actually it's an incentive alignment problem, right? I mean, yes, there is an element of governance and compliance, but I think if you just align the incentives right to promote the right behavior, the right action, then you're going to have magical results, right? It, you don't have to literally just have the us versus they kind of a mindset to go making it happen. So I think it's a really beautiful concept. Um, Hemal, this is awesome. You know, just to recap, like some of the things that, you know, really resonated with me, what you said, right? Data science and AI is real. It's, you know, you, you're, you're either in it uh, as an organization. And if you don't, you're going to miss out and you're going to be left far behind, right? Uh, there's a lot more data coming. There's already a lot of data. There's a lot more coming. Getting business value from data is important, but keeping compliance, security, and privacy 
as a part of your DNA to make sure you're doing it. You know, it's it's a non-negotiable aspect, and delivering that value across the you know delivering value with that across the value chain is critical. And then lastly, you said for all of this to work, people, organizational constructs, culture will all dictate uh, will dictate success on it. Right? Is that a good summary of the conversation? Yeah. That's a great. And, and just uh, one more thing, self-service, self-service, self-service. Self-service, self-service. Remove the friction, remove the friction. Remove the friction. And I'll add the last one that you said, right? And align the incentives, like even for self-service. Like I remember mm-hmm. when I was at Dell back in the day, we were, I, I still remember that we had a public referenceable customer and uh, I was leading products for uh, those days, like the our private cloud software portfolio. And it was a hard problem to get, you know, the server storage and networking engineering teams within or within IT to come together to virtualize something because they all have their policies and different things. And, you know, like I, I only define storage and, you know, virtual disk policies should be behave this way, right? And then networking is a different silo. So I remember at Dell, at those days, we launched a software uh, that allowed them to collaborate. And the incentive there was like, look, you want to ensure that your policy in the storage organization is layered upon the virtualization environment. Well, here's your chance to do it, right? And you give them a template and they actually did that. I think it was a beautiful example of when you're, and it was a frontier technology back, this was late 90s and early 2000s. Um, frontier technology, it's your lot of demystification that needs to happen. And then you bring a, a canvas together for people to collaborate. You align the incentives for them and then magic happens, mm-hmm. right? So magic I can see the same moment in data and AI right yeah. now. It's simple, um, actually. Look, I mean, yeah, we, we can make it very, very complex, but if you align some simple things, organizational get good data in, don't, if you remove your data cleansing, remove your PowerPoints, you'll see a change. I love it. Kill PowerPoints, you know, stop cleaning data, make it clean all the way. <laughs> I love it. Hey, well, this has been fascinating. How can the... Uh, oh, I have one one personal question for you. What is your personal power practice? Do you run? Do you meditate? Personal. Do you uh, power uh, practice? Uh, how do you? How do you? You know, you're like you know, I talked to you. It's what eleven o'clock right now, or ten o'clock, ten p.m. right now for you. I talked to you early in the morning. I talked to you late in the yeah. night, and you're like always full of energy and ready to go. Yeah. Has to be a secret there. <laughs> oh no! I like technology. I, you know, unfortunately, I, I shouldn't say that a lot, lot of people like it. I actually don't know anything else. I'm horrible at sports. Uh, <laughs> I I can't play a single sport really well. Uh, I don't like reading books. Uh, I'm not a typical. I know you like reading papers, like technical. I technical like reading papers. white papers. I can read the ACM and I typically all day long, right? Uh, I. I like to code. I like to uh, read technical stuff, and uh, because that's the only skill I have, man. I mean, I don't have other skills, unfortunately. So, so and, these yeah, things are, are exciting. These things, by nature of it, are just are just very, very exciting to me because I'm not good at anything else. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're being too humble. Uh, no, I, I think you're you're being too modest, by the way. But I think you're you're right. It's like it's a self-enforcing thing, right? You do something, you love something so much and you keep doing it and doing more of it makes you better at it and you keep enjoying it more and it goes in a cycle. So it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. How can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you, Himal? How can they find you in the uh, You can ping me. I, I actually, can we uh, send my uh, mail ID? Look, I'm, I'm not very good on the social handles, you know, sorry. But if you sure. can just put my uh, uh, I will do uh, mail address, it'll be 
Awesome. Yeah. And I, I would love to hear. And yeah, look, I mean, anything that I can do to help, anything that you want me on behalf of Dell to help you, look, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, 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 very much here. So look, I mean, you know, anything I can do. That's awesome. Hey, well, you're going to get like a, one, uh, like a couple of hundred thousand emails asking for support for your Dell laptops. And then after that, you'll get a whole bunch of conversations on, on, okay, on, let's on not do writing. that. <laughs> please, please don't ask me for a tech support. Please. Go to Dell.com. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, well, thanks so much for spending the time. This was a blast. This is fascinating. Thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ganesh. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.